Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyover Labs. This is Dave Cruz from Madison, Wisconsin, and today we are lucky enough to have Paul Asel with us. And Paul is a managing partner at Nokia Growth Partners and has been doing investment for over 30 years now. So his investment experience and track record is quite as impressive, especially in Asia. He has had several $1 billion plus exits in China, including UC Web and Ganji. Hopefully I pronounced that right. Paul can correct me later. And he's had a number of other successful exits. So this whole interview could just be about going over Paul's background and what he's learned. But instead, we'll, we'll just touch on Paul's background and then focus more on the Internet of Things. As a Nokia Growth Partners just launched a, a $350 million fund focused on IoT. So I'm really excited to hear about well, you know, their geographic regions they're going to focus on and kind of their investment uh, criteria. Um, so we have lots to talk about, so let's get started. So, Paul, thanks for uh, joining us today. My pleasure. And uh, so, like I said, you have a, quite an impressive background, but uh, this is going to be more about more about IoT. But let's talk a little bit about your background. You know, you, you uh, your background includes being an investment analyst and private equity and venture capital, and so it's a great experience. But you also have a lot of international experience. Um, how, how did you start getting into inter, international investment, and uh, and why was your thought process thought process when you started getting more on, on the international side of things? Well, I've always been interested interested in international. Have uh, uh, done a lot of international traveling from when I was a young child, and uh, so uh, when I had opportunities. Uh, it at different stages. I, I always had a preference for uh, moving international. So I uh, did an internship in, in Thailand uh, when I was uh, in business school. Prior to that, had done a language study abroad program in, in Mexico. Uh, and, and then uh, post-business school, uh, when I was considering different opportunities, uh, Russia was just opening up. And uh, had an opportunity to go over and ad- advise the uh, central government in in Russia on a uh, consulting assignment, and uh, uh, took my bags over there, not knowing uh, whether I'd be there for three weeks or three months, and end up being there for three years and wow. being part of the first uh, venture capital firm that was uh, established there. So I think it's uh, you know some serendipity. It was uh, a a, a time when uh, in life where one could take greater risks and uh, the opening up of a place like Russia is a, uh, a seminal event. So, uh, you know, did things in an unconventional way and uh, had no regrets about that. Interesting. What, what was one unconventional way you did things? Well, part, part of uh, the, the intrigue about Russia was that, you know, first it was the, the superpower that we looked across the Atlantic uh, at for uh, 40 years. And so there was a you know, tremendous geopolitical interest in this, uh, the opening up of that. Uh, what The learnings there 
for me were uh, that the Russia needed to go from a 70% military industrial complex to 70% goods and services, which is the, the composition of our uh, GDP in the U.S. And the process of doing that involved investments in a number of basic industries that had venture capital-like growth. And so we had a transformative time in that economy in which to invest. And the type of investments we were making were commercial banking uh, type of investments in the U.S., but they had venture capital type returns uh, possibility. And so it was a, a very interesting time to think through how a whole economy, not just an industry, is transformed. And uh, that lens, I think, served well when coming back to the United States and thinking through you know, industries and how things like mobile and the Internet can transform and disrupt different vertical industries. Interesting. That makes sense. And then later you went to China. So how, how do you, when you go to a new country, how do you get your arms around that country and figure out what's interesting, who to talk to? Because um, how many different countries have you invested in? over the years? Well, we uh, have lived in uh, probably about a dozen different countries uh, have invested in about that that many. So when going into a new country, the first couple countries I went into, Mexico, uh, India, Russia, I had actually started living with a local family and did that for the first six months or a year. And that helped me understand the local culture and appreciate the cultural mores in a way that would have been hard to do uh, from just a business perspective. And what I found over time is that while the the local culture helps inform us how to think about how to run businesses, that the fundamental economics uh, are consistent across countries. And once we understand the stage of an economy, and an industry that the, those basic rules apply, and then having the cultural sensitivity about how to invest, uh, I, I think, can enable one to be quite effective in investing globally. Uh, what we try to do is uh, take a global pattern recognition and look at how industries develop, and uh, particularly in new technologies, and think, uh, you know, are we going to invest in a global best-of-breed player and it helped them expand internationally uh, quickly? Or is this a, a, a type of market opportunity that allows for local winners and investing, making multiple investments in different uh, companies uh, across the same theme? And uh, applying that, that uh, approach has helped us be quite effective. So, for example, we invested in Gangi, which is a local classifieds business in, in China, and based on the success that we were having there, a year later, made an investment in, in Quicker in India. And both of those have ended up being the leading local classifieds companies uh, in their respective markets. Interesting. And in the last question, then we'll get into IoT. But, of course, we could talk about your international investment all day. But uh, how um, – with Ganji, how, how, how did you know – I mean, how, how long were you in China before you, you invested? And how do you know that was the team to, to back? Did you have a, um, 
do you also have local investment partners who you, you partner with as well in that investment? It's a good question. We believe that we are uh, industry experts, but not local experts. And so with any investment that we would make, we would want to have a strong local partner involved. And uh, so in, in this case, we observed the global industry and we saw how the online classified space was playing out in the U.S. and Europe and then looked to be an early mover in that space in China. Uh, I talked with all the companies and uh, thought that Ganji was going to be uh, well-placed uh, and and we, we went in with investors that we, we knew and trust but had a local expertise in that market. Interesting. Makes sense. Okay. So let's uh, switch to your new fund that you raised. And uh, so is that is that going to be your focus, the, the Internet of Things fund that you just raised? Right. So we have four funds under management and in total over a billion dollars uh, across those four funds. The, uh, the fourth fund that we've just announced is a $350 million fund focused on the Internet of Things. That category is a, a very broad category, so uh, we, we don't see that as uh, as necessarily limiting, but we do believe that we're at an early stage in an industry that could be quite transformative, similar to uh, what we're seeing in the Internet and mobile over uh, the last couple decades. And, and do you have a geographic focus? That fund. No, we're global. We have offices in China, India, uh, Europe, and the United States. So we we very much take a global perspective in in investing. Okay, and in uh, one of the articles I read, you you mentioned that China you think could be a, a big player in this space. Um, can you ex- expand that a little bit more? Why you think that's the case? China is a market that has been able to produce hardware innovatively and very efficiently. And we've seen a significant innovation that has come out of China over the years. And so we believe that the Internet of Things, which is more a, a melding of hardware, software, and sensors, uh, is, a, is something that plays well to China's capabilities. We're seeing significant innovation happening in uh, in China, and uh, you know, I think we will see that uh, start to influence how innovation is happening globally in the IoT space. And and okay, so a lot of that IoT in China, do you think will be spread across the world? You know, you mentioned before, is uh, for international investment, is that going to be more of a local investment, or are we will take that uh, that company to other countries? Um, do you see a lot of the China IoT influencing IoT across the rest of the world? We look for companies that have global potential and try to accelerate their global engagement. So an example of that is when, when I invested in UC Web, it was a a China-only play with about 40 million users, and uh, we we helped to uh, them to expand. To over 40 countries, I actually think it's over 100 company countries, and ultimately had uh, um, over 500 million users. So uh, we we very much uh, look to 
see companies that uh, have a distinctive technology, a, a management team that can execute at scale and uh, who are interested in going abroad and can view us as being able to help them accelerate that process. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, I think it, uh, it looked someplace that uh, the fun you're going to focus on consumer and health and enterprise is there uh, one area or is there some type of uh, allocation that you think you're going to have, like, you know, 30% consumer or are you looking at all areas right now for, with that fund? We have neither geographic nor sectoral allocations. Uh, we, uh, we are, we do take a, uh, a thematic approach to investing. So we look at, specific sectors, we look at them deeply over a number of years. And so we do have a, a significant commitment to, uh, you know, for example, the health sector, the connected enterprise, um, but we don't make specific allocations to those. We very much uh, um, will we'll move in and out of markets depending on where the opportunity exists at that time. Gotcha. And What's their investment criteria? You've been doing this a long time, so you probably have somewhat of a gut feeling that's hard to describe, but also you know, it sounds like you want a strong local partner to invest with, um, probably a strong team. But, yeah, is there – do you have any certain criteria? Do they have to be have revenue, um, or can they just be a, a very young startup? Well, Nokia Growth Partners, as the name suggests, is a growth stage investor. So we look for companies that have a product in the market with uh, um, customers that validate both the technology and the underlying business model. Uh, our sweet spot is companies that have two to twenty-five million in revenue, and, and but are at a point where they're they're really looking to scale the business. Uh, and we, we look for uh, companies that can be disruptive, that can uh, be global, very large, iconic companies, uh, billion-dollar-plus type opportunities with management that can execute on that. Gotcha. Makes sense. And in another article, or maybe it's the same one you mentioned, that the ecosystem is critical for IoT. Uh, can you uh, tell us a little bit more about your thoughts behind that? Sure. So if we look at the mobile space as an example, the the initial generations of phones were great voice telephones. But uh, when the applications, when an, an app ecosystem developed, the phones became much more than that. And uh, what we found was that it was not the best hardware that ended up winning, but it was rather the best ecosystem. And, and and Apple was an early mover in that, and they were able to establish a mood around the the handset based on the ecosystem that they had. Uh, so we, we anticipate that we will see ecosystems developing around other devices as well. Uh, the smartwatch would be an example of that. Uh, you know, within the home, we we may see devices that will emerge that that develop an ecosystem. For example, a a, a television and the develop or a gaming device that has an ecosystem around that. The Xbox is an example of 
uh, and, and gaming devices are examples of, of ones that depend more on the games that have developed rather than the, the superiority of their, their hardware. Uh, so that's what we mean by having an ecosystem and how uh, being able to develop a, a independent developer network around a device is very important in establishing both growth, uh, consumer traction, and ultimately defensibility of that product. Gotcha. Okay. So, and I'm curious, how do you guys kind of make investment decisions? You know, you have a local offices in multiple countries. Do you, does that local uh, managing partner, do they kind of have the final say or do you bring it to your board or how does it, uh, how does it work since you, you guys are spread out so uh, geographically? Well, we have uh, an investment committee and partners, uh, which is uh, comprised of our, our, our senior group who uh, make those decisions. And, and so it is very much a collaborative approach. We, we do believe in the, the benefits and power of having a global perspective. So it, we, while we very much uh, value and rely on the uh, opinions of the the local sponsoring partners, uh, it, it is a global decision. Gotcha. That makes sense. And the, so, do you travel a lot? Where Where are you based out of? Uh, I'm in California, and uh, I do travel a lot. Uh, I I uh, certainly log well over a hundred thousand miles a year. Really? Wow. Okay, <laughs> that keeps you busy. You must be a. We should. We could have a whole interview just on a how to deal with jet lag. I think with you. Um. Well, we used to have the the uh, the joke within Silicon Valley of uh, the bridge rule. If uh, an investment involves crossing a bridge, uh, you know, it was not worth doing. And uh, the the venture community has become. I think much more uh, global and broader in perspective. And I, I use the two flight rule. If uh, an investment is within two flights, it's uh, fair prey. <laughs> nice. That, that That's quite a few cities you can uh, go to then. <laughs> um, that's true. Gotcha. Okay. And so we're kind of coming to the end, and I've got a couple of uh, more fun questions. But before that... Um, what have you have you invested in any IoT companies right now with this current fund, or do you have some in the pipeline, um, or are you just kind of starting out? So we we've actually been investing around the Internet of Things for the last two years, okay. and we have about a dozen investments uh, in that space. So we've already actually had an exit. I really we invested in in Whistle about a year and a half ago which is a, uh, a connected a dog collar, which has a GPS capability and also sort of like a Fitbit for, for pets allows one to track the health and activity of a dog. The company that took off did extremely well and was scooped up very quickly by Mars, which uh, Mars we think of as the candy bar company, but they're actually the largest pet food and veterinary company in the United States. Interesting. I would not have thought, yeah, that's, that's a little outside of health, consumer, um, cars, and enterprise, but that's what you said. You're pretty flexible, but it's definitely an IoT company. Interesting. Okay. And uh, what, what's another example of a company you've invested in that you can share? 
company called Zuby, which uh, has uh, is in the connected car space, and they have a device which goes into a car and allows unconnected cars to be connected, and provides uh, wireless capability, GPS location capability. It's, it's being used to uh, uh, monitor driver behavior for the insurance industry. It, it helps with predictive maintenance, uh, working with auto dealerships. And uh, so that's a company that is is doing very well in the auto space uh, and the variety of services that come out of that. Gotcha. Okay. Do they sell direct to consumers or do they sell? I always thought one's company should sell through like dealerships, but yeah, how do they? They, they primarily sell through partners. Okay. Okay. That's smart. I like that. Okay. All right. And uh I'm, and I'm curious, how, how do you stay current with all the trends in IoT? Do you, you know, do you follow certain blogs or what do you read in order? To, I mean, you talk to obviously lots of companies too, uh, but are, is there other ways you you stay current? Uh, we we read a lot. There's a lot that's uh, available on the internet, so we we uh, read most of the uh, major publications and and blogs within our space. We uh, there, there's also an informal network, and and so you know, um, being well connected with the thought leaders in the space is is something that's important. And uh, and then we do a fair amount of independent research since we're growth stage investors. This is less about finding the next needle in the haystack and more about uh, identifying companies as they are emerging early. And so much of that is available on the internet. Yep. True. True. Okay. And, uh, last question. Uh, so what, what's your uh, favorite city to visit or live in since you visited uh, quite a few in your time? Oh, uh, that's, that's a great question. I, I have enjoyed living in, in every city that, <laughs> uh, I've been in. I, I, I've, I, I spent seven years in Russia and in, uh, Moscow. And, and that is a, it's a wonderful city with uh, a, a very deep culture. I love San Francisco. Uh, it, it's uh, I, I like the outdoors, and it's one of the few cities where uh, I guess like a number of uh, cities in the Northwest that uh, you can enjoy the amenities of a city at the proximity of the outdoors. I enjoy uh, the the international environment as well, and uh, there are a number of international cities that I I enjoy. I always enjoy going to uh, places like uh, Vienna and and Paris and London. Yes, yeah, those are some great cities. Never been to Mo- Moscow, but I've been to London and Paris, and yeah, those are Paris is uh, I always say is what's the most beautiful city I've been to, but I haven't been to as many cities as you, but. Definitely some great cities. Um, yeah, and so I think that's it. So, uh, Paul, definitely appreciate your time chatting with us today. This has been great, and excited to see what you guys do. You guys already have one exit. <laughs> You've only been doing this for a couple of years, so that's pretty impressive. So I uh, definitely wish you luck. And well, Yeah. Sure. Well, Dave, it's a pleasure talking with you, and uh, if I can be helpful in the future, let us know. That sounds good. And thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Flyover Labs. And we'll see you next time.